Welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my lovely wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. And we are back for another uh, episode on the study of the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, this week we're looking at uh, Acts chapter 14. We have ended uh, Acts chapter 13 last week, and we're kind of picking up and going on, going forward with the gospel being spread to the Gentiles. Um, currently we are with Paul and Barnabas, and we are um, near a place called Iconium, um, and we're going to talk about some of the works that were done there. Um, we had some opposition in the last chapter um, from the devout and honorable women and chief citizens of uh, the last city, and they were thrown out, or actually they, they left, and they took and kicked the dust off of their shoes, um, which is to say, according to the book of Luke, um, you know, we're, we don't even want to carry your dust with us as we go forward. So we come into chapter 14, and uh, they are headed into a new area, and we're going to get through this um, this is not a long chapter. There's only 28 verses here, so this episode might actually be a little bit shorter than normal, um, but we're going to do what we always do. We'll read the scripture, and then we'll discuss a little bit about what each verse means and kind of what was going on at the time. Um, again, with these uh, podcast episodes, if you ever want to reach us, you can reach us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave a comment on the podcast episodes themselves on uh, Podbean or Twitter or Facebook or any of those uh, out. out programs. Um, these episodes are going to be uh, hopefully caught up on Spotify this week. Um, for our listeners on Spotify, they're they're missing a lot of episodes there, so hopefully we'll get that fixed. Um, but we're, we do appreciate everyone listening and everyone continue to follow along with us as we go forward. Um, so we're going to pick up in verse number one, and Natasha will start reading, and we'll go from there. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. So they've gathered in the synagogue, again, as we've learned before, that the gospel um, was offered to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Here we see a little bit of a different story where they've gone to the synagogue to offer it to the Jew first. But hey, guess what? There's some Greeks, the uh, Gentiles, who've shown up to hear what is going on with uh, Paul. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. So we've got some uh, some of the Jews here, and the, the Jews are really upset with what Paul is is preaching that Yeshua is the Messiah, Jesus is the Messiah, and so uh, there the Jews are going to stir up the Gentiles in this city um, as well to uh, rally against Paul. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So they've been there a while, and they're doing, and they're speaking uh, great things in the name of the Lord. The, the Jews are riling up the Gentiles against them, but they're having a hard time arguing because... God is doing great and wonderful miracles and works according to their hands. He's, he's lending his power to their ministry so that they can affirm that they have been sent in the name of Yeshua. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully, and to stone them. So they, I'm sorry, they had gotten together and they had decided that they were going to try and stone um, Paul and Barnabas here. They were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, 
and unto the region that lieth round about. So these cities, uh, Lystra and Derby um, and Lyconia, are in the region round about the region of Iconium. Um, Lyconia is also uh, the same name as Iconium. It's just two different uh, versions of it there. But these cities are basically, um, they're very nearby. They're close cities that they can uh, they can get away to. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us whether they were warned by someone who heard of the, you know, the plot to stone them or if, um, if the Lord had revealed it to them through the Holy Spirit that you need to get up and leave. Um, the Lord had done that in the past for other people at different times. And so it's a possibility here. But either way, uh, the word gets out to them that they're, they're really aggravated with what you're trying to say and they're going to stone you and so um, they're given the time to get out and so they do and there they preached the gospel and there sat a certain man at Lystra impotent in his feet being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked so we got a, we got a man here in the city um, who everyone is well aware of and he is a, a crippled man he's an impotent man in his feet um, a lot of the commentaries on this, uh, all, they all said they really kind of thought maybe it was club feet, um, since it was something he was born with. This is a this is very important. The very fact that he was born with this and he has not walked um, is a very important point in this scripture um, because it goes to speak to what happens uh, shortly. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So Paul is preaching and this man is laying there and he's never walked and he has faith. Now, this is an interesting portion of scripture, right? Um, it doesn't say that the man ever said anything with his mouth. It doesn't say that he had this outward confession that he believed in Jesus. It doesn't say that he um, he gave his life and asked Jesus to come into his heart. It doesn't say any of those things. It says that he's hearing Paul preaching and he is convinced of what Paul is saying and and Paul is able to, uh, he perceives, um, he's able to see that the, the mannerisms or, or whatever it is, but there's something about this man. He realizes this man is, has faith in the Lord. Now, this verse itself is often twisted to mean um, that you are healed by your faith, right? We've had people say that to us in the past. I've heard this, that if, well, you didn't get your healing because you didn't have enough faith or you ran out of faith. And that is not what it's talking about here. What it's talking about here is that Paul recognized this man has belief. He has faith in God and he is perceiving in him and, and he's seeing that God might be able to do a work in this man. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Ah, so <clears throat> going back to verse eight, where we see he's born this way. The reason this is very important is because he had never walked. He had never been on his feet. So if you had someone who was, um, who said their stomach hurt and they were sick and they'd been okay. And then you came along and said, Oh, we'll be healed. And they're like, Oh, I feel better. Um, it's, it would be easy to dismiss. It would be easy to say, well, that was an easy miracle. It's very subjective. Exactly. So here you have a miracle that is, uh, uh everyone in the city knows this man it has never walked in his life and you told him to get up and he leaps up on his feet. He, he jumps up now. I mean, I can't imagine that if he had club feet or if he had his feet were gnarled, those things straightened right up, you know? I mean, this man jumped up, and he's ready to go. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Well, this is going to turn into a problem real quick, so continue on. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mer Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. 
All right. So a little bit of a little bit of backstory we have to know about these areas. So these are Greek areas. One of the things that the Greeks did in these cities is that the at the uh, the entrance to the city, at the very gates of the city, they would build a temple to their most um, the god of the city, the god that watched over that city. And what they held, what they believed here was that uh, Barnabas was the god Jupiter, um, which is the greatest god among all the Greek gods. Would be Jupiter. Um, some of the commentaries said it's perhaps because Barnabas was a bigger man than Paul. Paul may have been a little fella, short guy, something like that. And so Barnabas is the big guy. And so when they look at these two and they see this miracle, they, they immediately uh, proclaim, well, the gods have come down to us. And the big one uh, is Barnabas, you know, Barnabas is Jupiter and Paul is Mercury because he is, you know, Mercurium is what they would call Mercury. Um, and Mercury in the Greek um, belief structure in this, in this uh, paganistic idol way of, well, he was the, the spokesperson. Mercury was the god who um, did all the talking. Jupiter was the powerful God, but Mercury did all the talking. And so when they look at Paul and Barnabas, that's what they see. They see the big man and they see the one who talks a lot. So they've assumed that these gods have come down from heaven. Then the priests of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. So the, the the priest of the temple of Jupiter, which is at the city gates, decides he's going to bring some oxen and we're going to do some sacrifices. I mean, the gods have come down to us. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out. All right. So we've got a couple things in this verse that are really interesting you have to pick up on. So uh, verse at uh, the beginning of the verse, it says, when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul were not actual apostles chosen by Jesus, right? So we know the apostles are the ones who were uh, the 12, right? Those are the apostles. Everyone else after that is the disciples. The scripture here says apostles, though. So what does it mean? So at this point, actually a little bit further in the uh, back in Acts, the beginning of Acts, apostles takes on a different, also a different meaning. What it means here is missionaries, because that's what Paul was. Paul and Barnabas were missionaries to the Gentiles. So here it's not referring to um, apostles as being handpicked by Jesus himself um, as much as it is meaning missionaries being being sent out to the Gentile nations. Um, and we see that a lot of that confusion today and still in the church where there are people who pop up and say, well, I'm an apostle too. And and that's that's nice, but that's not exactly what's going on here. So we look and we see that there is, it's saying these missionaries are there, Paul and Barnabas, so they hear and they rend their clothes. They rent their clothes. They tear them up. Um, this is a sign. If you go to the Old Testament, you see this a lot. Um, it is a sign when you would see blasphemy. Anytime someone would blaspheme the name of the God of Israel or when someone would um, per pervert and twist the word of God, um, the prophets would ring, they would tear their clothes apart. And what they're doing is they're trying to get people's attention and they're trying to show you, visibly show you um, what these blasphemies mean and what they look like in front of God. And saying, sirs, why do you, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. So Paul is uh, pointing out here a couple things in this verse. He's saying we are men of like passions. And what he's, what this means is it doesn't mean anything. Um, it's not really about emotions. What the, the, the words behind this in the original Greek are really indicating that we are men who eat food. We are men who breathe. We are men who are alive. We are men who have sorrows just like you do. We are just men. Why are you praising us? And then he goes on to say um, that you should turn away from these vanities 
vanities that you're going to do, you're going to try to offer some kind of sacrifice. You need to turn into the living God. So instead of saying turn to God, he says the living God because he wants to differentiate the God of Israel from the other gods, the pagan gods who are not alive, who don't have any power or authority. So he's saying you need to turn to the living God um, who made, and then he gives them the examples, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all the things that are in them. Who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So these are interesting. This is interesting right here. This is a really interesting portion of scripture. Um, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own way. So God is, and this even speaks to America. God is more than willing to allow a nation to walk its own path and go its own way and do its own thing if they want to do that. Um, and Paul says that here. He says, God has, you know, why are you trying to offer us any sacrifice? You should be worshiping the living God. He, even though you may not know him, he has given you proofs. So in the very next verse, he tells you what he has done. He said he's not left him left himself without a witness and that he did good. Now, um, a lot of people think you'll hear this in a lot of music too. In Christian music, we talk about the reign of God. Oh Lord, stop the rain, Lord, the rain. The but in the scripture, the rain is seen as a blessing. And that's what he says to them here. He says, God did not leave himself without a witness and he gave us the rain from heaven for your fruitful seasons filling your hearts with food and with gladness, right? So he's saying God provided all the things that, that help you sustain your life. He's giving you the rain, which is a blessing. You know, it's, and, and a lot of times we see that and, and, and a lot of people get the wrong idea. I think we get to, even in our current society, we're like, oh, it's raining again, you know? Um, but rain in the scripture was seen as a blessing. And with these sayings, scarce restrained, they, they, the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So the, the, Paul is, 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 is preaching the gospel to them. He's, he's shown them this, this miracle of God has happened. Again, this, this, uh, the reason, here's an interesting thing. The reason everywhere Paul went, he, was able to, he wasn't able to do miracles. I want to say that right. Everywhere he went, he did not do miracles is because God himself is the purpose and the reason behind the miracle. If Paul had the power to do this, we, we discussed this earlier. Peter had the same thing happen. If he had the power to do the miracles, people would have been able to worship him. But the miracles that are done are solely done by the Lord. We have we have believers who died and weren't raised from the dead. We have people who, uh, I mean, infirmities that were not healed. But God himself used his own power and authority to establish that these men were sent by him. And he did it at his own will. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people... And having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Oh, good grief. So here they go. So here we go. They get out of Iconium, and they're, they're warned they're going to be stoned. And they get out of Iconium, and they come to this city. Um, and then the people from Iconium and Antioch um, in Syria um, have come down, and they've decided we're going to rile these people up. So they rile the people up, and they actually stone Paul. Now, why did they not stone Barnabas? This has always been a little bit of a question. Barnabas, uh, would he run away or something like that? And it's because it goes back to what these people believed Barnabas and Paul were. They believed Barnabas is Jupiter, Paul is Mercury. Paul is the mouthpiece. He is the spokesman. And he's the one, if we shut him up, he'll stop preaching this gospel. And so the Jews are stirring up the people of the city to stone him. And so they do. They actually stone Paul. And I, I mean, I think we've talked about stoning once before. It's got to be one of the most brutal things I can't even imagine. Um, and then they drag him out of the city. I'm, I'm assuming they grab his feet and they just drag him out. 
Um, and they take him out because they think he's dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. So, we've got something interesting here. Um, now, a couple things I want to point out that are not in this verse. It does not say that he was not injured. It does not say that he was healed. It does not say that he stood up and leaped and jumped and joyed and everything. It says he got up and walked back into the city, right? So, we there's a lot of assumptions that are made in this one passage of this verse um, that I've heard people speak on before and say, look at that, he, he was by the Lord raised him up. No, I'm not saying that didn't happen. He wasn't dead because they assumed he was in the past the last verse. They assumed his death happened, but it didn't. And then it said he rose up. Doesn't say he wasn't injured. It doesn't say that he wasn't hurt. The gospel, the preaching of the gospel has a consequence. And it's not always going to be that bad things are going to happen and God is going to raise you up through a miracle. A lot of times, this is this is suffering for the cause of Christ. This is what Paul had to endure here. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe he was knocked unconscious. Um, you know, maybe he didn't, he wasn't totally conscious through the stoning. Um, maybe it was, it wasn't a whole lot of rocks that they hit him with. They thought he killed him in one blow. Who knows? Um, but it, it definitely had to hurt. It definitely had to hurt, but he was able to get up and he was able to walk away from it, which is, um, is a really a miracle in itself, but it does not say that he was not injured here. And, um, but it does say that he walked right back into the city. They just drug him out of there. You know, he just got stoned in the city and he just got up and he walked back, whether he, he stumbled or whatever, he walked back in there. And uh, that really shows the resilience of these men to preach the gospel. When you believe in something so firm and so true and you get stoned for it and you stand up and you walk right back in the same city, that says there's a lot of courage there. That says there's a lot of belief and faith in what is real and what is true. And you don't see this in a lot of other people and other religions around the world. Um, these kind of things don't really happen. People want to run away from it because they know what they're believing isn't true. And Paul knew in who he believed and he knew what the truth was. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. So they went down to Derby and they were preaching the gospel there. And when they got done preaching there, they went right back to Iconium and Antioch and Lystra, the same cities they had been in that Paul had been stoned in. I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's the passion they had for spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. They want to hear it and we want to tell them. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So they're talking about, you know, we are confirming in the, in the souls of the disciples. They're saying, basically, you know, we're exhorting you in the faith. We're lip, lifting you up in the word of the Lord, in the gospel of Jesus, that Yeshua has come, the Messiah has come. And through much tribulation, we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Who better to preach that than a man who's been stoned? And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So we've got the ordination of some elders here. And basically in the scriptures, all this really means is, is they picked them. Um, they picked the most faithful men in the town or, or wherever they were at. And uh, they picked them to lead this group of people. Um, they didn't run them through a long process of education. They didn't run them through, you know, some kind of uh, service of ordinance or anything like that. They uh, picked them and they, they set them up um, through prayer and fasting and uh, and you know, and leading them to lead these people. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. 
and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So they're going they're going through these towns one at a time, and they're preaching the gospel, and these towns have funny names, and they're hard to say. Um, so <laughs> I want to point that out, because they are very difficult. Um, but the, the Lord has encouraged them to go to Antioch, which is in Syria. Remember I talked about there are different Antiochs uh, in different places. So they're going to sail to uh, Antioch, which is in Syria, um, because the Lord wants them to continue in their work. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the gospel, with the disciples. So in the last uh, two verses there, when they came down, they gathered the church together, the believers, the congregation together, and they rehearsed, which basically means they went over, they talked about all that God had done with them and how he had opened the doors of faith unto the Gentiles, really showing uh, you know everyone that God is bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And then in verse 28, there they abode with a long time with the disciples. And um, a lot of text there says that it was probably about five years and um, I've got to remember this off my head because I don't have my notes, but the book of Acts was completed around 46 of the current era, and there was a council that convened in 51 of the current era. And so from the time that they were there until they go to this council, there's about a five-year period. So it is um, it is conjecture, really, that Paul and Barnabas stayed here for five years and preached the gospel at the end of this chapter to these folks. You have to understand, you have to remember that Luke is just writing his recount, the things that have happened. Um, a lot of times in the Bible, we don't have actual time frames. There's not like um, he stayed there for a while and then he went on his way. Well, we don't know how that how long that really was. But there are some historical contexts that go along that show us uh, different time frames. So you're there for about five years, four or five years, and they're preaching the gospel among the Gentiles. Um, so the ministry of Paul is really taking root. It, it's, it's born in Jerusalem um, where the church was born. Uh, the church was not born in the city of Rome. It was born in Jerusalem, and uh, that's where it came from. And Paul... Paul is taking the gospel of a Messiah out to the Gentiles. Um, so it's, it's wonderful to be able to read this in the book of Acts. We're going to get into Acts chapter 15 next week. Um, and I believe, let me look really quick, it is uh, a long chapter. So we'll see if we can get through it all in one shot. We might have to split it. I don't know. It just depends on how much is there. Um, but Paul and Barnabas continue to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and the Jews because not all the Jews rejected. So that's wonderful to know. Um, so again, we want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please share these episodes with your friends and family, the study of uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Um, we hope you're enjoying it. We're having a great time doing it. Um, we've been really pressed this week. We're working a lot, and getting this out has been a little bit difficult this week. So if it's a little bit late getting to you, I apologize. But we hope that you continue to come back um, for Acts chapter 15 next week, and we will see you or talk to you later. Bye.